views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On June 15th, 2021, in Rogersville, Tennessee, a five-year-old girl is helping her mother and her grandmother plant flowers. Then she supposedly leaves to go inside to play with her toys. Somewhere inside that house, she managed to vanish without a trace. Over two years later, and there have been no signs, no clues, nothing. What could have happened? You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Summer Wells. ago tonight, Summer Wells went missing from her Hawkins County home. The suffering in the Summer Wells community is palpable. The pain of having a little girl just disappear without a trace, made even worse by the online harassment and attacks from outside the area and online. People accusing those of trying to help Summer of somehow being involved in her disappearance simply because they knew her and loved her. Many now refusing to speak on camera because of the threats they've received. One woman is finally breaking her silence after more than a year in hopes of inspiring others to pray and to send a message to Summer. And you are loved and you are missed so very much. Robin Lane, Summer Wells Sabbath School teacher. Summer is just the most amazing little girl had a one-of-a-kind friendship with this little ball of energy. Yes, we really clicked because Summer is just kind of silly and goofy, and I am too. Um, you can ask people who know me. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, Coach, I uh, got a message from our friend, Miss Jen Bucholtz. They are at CrimeCon right now, and she said that she was dropping our stickers on tables as she walked by. So, Oh, thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Miss Bucholtz for helping us out and her husband, Jesse. Man, she she's the best, like literally the best. She really is. And um, I didn't say this off air, but she let me know the dates of the – Northwest Arkansas crime thing, and I think we both can make it next year. Oh, uh, let's do it. So we may be rubbing elbows on a Friday night with some big wigs. And by Saturday, I would have embarrassed both of us. That's all right. <laughs> we got to keep it together for at least till lunchtime Saturday because we'll have a table out there, and then God forbid oh. they put us on stage. But anyway, so that's oh, the man. that's the long haul picture. By late set, by late uh, late afternoon Saturday, they best not put me on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> we might make the news. Oh no! Say it ain't so, Coach. Say it ain't <laughs> so. Uh, somehow, there is another case that we both had never heard of that was dropped on the Facebook page. 
And I guess that's going to be put on the board. Just like this one was a user request that we had no idea about. And dear God, at the rabbit hole, this one is. We are talking about one Summer Wells. And she was the only daughter of Don Wells and Candace Bly. She lived with her parents and her three older brothers, ages 7, 9, and 12, in a 750-square-foot home near the center of an 11-acre wooded piece of property at 110 Ben Hill Road in the Beach Creek community of Rogersville, Tennessee. Now, I pulled up yeah, old, It is isolated. That's what I was about to say. I pulled up old Rogersville, and basically, you had northeast... From Pigeon Forge and about halfway between Pigeon Forge and Kingsport, there's Rogersville. Yeah, but I'm ju- not just the city itself being isolated, the property. So the property's highly isolated in a highly isolated area. Like the city itself's isolated, it's isolated. Like this is going to be really hard to pull off what the parents are going to say. Right. And it is literally a wooded, when they say wooded lot, it is. Basically, a clearing in the middle of an 11-acre forest, that's what it looks like online, where they just stuck a trailer in a house. So, keep that in mind when we're going about our business. Now, like Coach said, Rogersville is a very small town in the northeastern tip of Tennessee near the Virginia border. Rogersville and the area where Summer lived has a population of just under 5,000 people. Now, saying isolated just does not do this justice. I can't, I don't know if you're in a big city, if you can even fathom. Like, I think they said they traveled 45 minutes to get to a hospital. So, yeah, you're you're out there. Now, you've got Candace and Don, the mother and the father. You got little Summer, who's the youngest girl. Three boys. They all they live in. Basically, what it looks like is they put a big cinder block basement into a hillside and then put a trailer on top of the a mobile home on top of that. And then about 20 yards to one side of that is Candace's mother's trailer or mobile home. It's an RV, brother. It's just a little camper. Oh, hers was, a, I thought hers was a mobile home. No, the mom's. Yeah. No, this is just like a camper camper. Oh, okay. Well, I stand corrected, but anyway, um, so it's not there. They're pretty close to each other. Um, and there's nothing in between the houses. It's just grass. Now, one thing that we need to get clear up front is Mama Candace, Summer's Mama Candace, her mother, Summer's grandmother, is also named Candace. So that'll be the last time you hear... Candace's mother referred to as Candace because I'm just going to call her a grandmother. So if it's grandmother, we're talking about Candace's mama. All right. So just get that out there before we get started. I don't want y'all to think, well, hell, he don't even know the woman's. He's the hell out of me. 
Uh, well, I was hoping, I was saying, I don't, oh, I hope that everybody's like, well, hell, he don't even know the woman's name. No, we know the name. I just can't keep going. Well, young Candace <laughs> and old Candace. And so to hell Candace with one and Candace, Candace two. Yeah. No, we're not doing it. So on Tuesday, June 15th, 2021, Summer was at home with her mother, her grandmother, and her three older brothers. Now, Summer's father, Don, was at work that day. According to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, it is reported that Summer went missing from the area of her home around 6.30 p.m. when her mother last saw her. She had been possibly barefoot. She was wearing pink t-shirt and gray sweatpants. Now, early reports stated that she was wearing gray shorts, and then in later reports, it changes to gray sweatpants, which begs the question, question, what and why do we have a confusion in what Summer was wearing? Keep in mind, it's June in northeast Tennessee. It's not like most people are going to be running around in sweatpants, but... It is what it is. So, according to Summer's mom, Candace, she had been outside with her and her grandmother, and they were all planting flowers. And like most five-year-olds do, she gets bored with it, and she wants to go inside and play with her brothers. So... Mama Candace walks in, or walks... Summer to the front door and calls inside to let the boys know, hey, keep an eye on your sister. And then she walks back to grandmother's camper to help adjust her grandmother's knee brace. And then she returns to her own house, according to her, just two to five minutes later. However, when she goes inside, she only sees her three sons sitting on the couch watching television. She did not see Summer. She asked the boys where Summer was, and they told her that Summer had gone into the basement to play with her toys. So Candace goes down into the basement, but she does not see Summer. Now, there's a door in the basement that leads to the outside, and Candace said that sometimes Summer would go out that door, circle around to the front of the house where there was a swing. And all of the kids love to play on this swing. So Candace exits the home. And she goes up the hill towards the swing, and she's calling for Summer. And she can't find her. She don't see any sign of her. And the boys say she didn't come in after Candace goes into the basement. Now, the basement is where not only Summer was allegedly playing when she disappeared, but it is also a bedroom that she shares with her parents, Don and Candace. And the weird thing is you do not access the basement by walking down a flight of stairs. You actually get there by going into some type of crawl space that's located under a desk. And there's a video out there that kind of shows where this little crawl space thing's at. And it is definitely an odd way to access a basement. I would just be like, hell with it. I'm going to go outside and come in the door. It looks like it was like in like an island, like a kitchen island, sort of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It does. Now, you would never know. If you didn't know it was there, you'd probably never find it. No, you probably wouldn't. Now, Chris McDonough, 
a retired Oceanside, California Police Department homicide detective interviewed many people in this case, including Mama Candace. And the interview is on YouTube if you want to watch it. But in it, Chris states, quote, and he's talking to Kansas, quote, Kansas. I'm going to do that more and more and more. Candace, not Kansas. He's talking to Candace, and he says, quote, you walked into the house and got up and walk in here, and then the three boys were sitting right here in a row with their eyes glued to the TV, and she says, yes. I said, boys, where are your, where is your sister at? And they said she went downstairs. So I go over here, and that's where the stairs are actually down under there, and she points to, like Coach said, an island-looking thing, and that's how we get into our bedroom, and then hers is on the other side. I yelled. I said, Summer, I don't hear anything. And I say summer again, and I get no answer. I listened for a minute. I didn't hear nothing, so I went like this because this is how I would get down there. And she shows how she accesses getting into the basement. So during that thing, you can there's back and forth between Chris and Candace about whether or not Chris is too big to go down this little makeshift chute. And he, she's like, well, my husband's six foot and 200 and something pounds, and he can get down here all the time. And Chris is like, well, I'm just going to walk around the hell with this. So <laughs> he did, he does. He just walks out the front door, walks around, and then he comes in the door that would have led out of the basement to the outside instead of trying to make his way down that chutes and ladder thing. So anyway, the interview continues, and Candace says, quote, this is where Summer and little Waylon was because Waylon's only nine, okay, and they stayed down here, and these are all her toys, all her Paw Patrol, and all her movies. she got a movie about the Savior, the boys I brought back down here after she went missing because I didn't want them upstairs by themselves, okay, and this is all her toys. Look at all her toys, all these toys that are on here are dang they're all except for like trucks and teenage ninja turtles and the game system that's the boys okay but then are all her all her toys and she's really into paw patrol yeah i've been collecting from day one i don't remember i don't recall if this was locked or not i don't recall that okay but i think it's hard though but i know i did come out and i said summer because sometimes she'll sit right here just right here right outside and play just you know and usually when she comes out, she comes out and she goes directly that way up to the swing. She would go and she would, wouldn't would leave, okay? She just wouldn't go nowhere else, end quote. Now, listen, that's hard as hell to read, much less transcribe. But I wanted you to understand and to get a picture of how this lady's mind works. And I don't mean any disrespect to anyone and moving forward. I'm not throwing shade. We never try to do that. We try it to sounds like you are, bro. We try to stay impartial, but this is going to come back into play later because I, I, I kind of explain it later. So, but just understand, I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm not, this is just how she talks. Okay. If you've never been to the Appalachians, then look up Mountain Talk and you'll figure it out. Because <laughs> it's a damn hour and a half mi uh, documentary on how the Scotch-Irish turned into what we have now. 
But anyway, so Chris decides to walk around to the door leading out. And so this is where, Chris, you know, Candace is pointing to where Summer would come out and just sit right outside the door on the ground and play, or she would go up to the swing. So what we're looking at is, according to the timeline, we're talking about a very small window in which Summer was there and then Summer was not there. And there has been confirmation on two things. One, Summer did come into the house, so there was someone who saw her come into the house, which you have to infer it was the three boys. And then two, someone saw her go down to the basement by herself, and Candace did not come in for, according to her, three, two to five minutes, three to five minutes, whatever you want to say. So let's just say a maximum of 15 minutes has passed. Now, in a later interview with Chris, he mentions that when he had first gone to the basement with Candace and in the video of this interview on YouTube, you can see if you are paying attention, some inappropriate material playing on the television as the camera passes around the basement. Really? And you may be asking yourself, self Everything I saw everything I saw was it was blurred, so maybe they blurred it yeah, later. Yeah, that's probably what they did. So you, like I was saying, you're like, well, what kind of inappropriate stuff would be down there if a nine year old and a five year old is sharing a basement bedroom with their parents? Well it was a uh girls gone wild situation. You can't Maybe it was just the commercial. Well, and that's what I was gonna get you to. Can't get- you can't control the commercials that are on the TV. We're talking about 2021. So you can see as they go down the stairs, there's a young lady lifting up her shirt, showing her boobaloobs. And <laughs> <laughs> so some people online run with this and are like, and was like you said, it's probably a commercial for Girls Gone Wild. But well, yeah, but like, well, like you said, it's 2021. Are there, there not any girls going wild commercials anymore? That no, there's not, and that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, probably not because they stopped doing those commercials because the douche canoe that financed those videos went bankrupt, and the guy that was the face of the infomercial, one Mr. Joe Francis, yeah, he goes to prison. So I don't think that was a current commercial. What it does lead to is possibly that being a VHS tape of a program they recorded and it was being played on that TV. Now, I know it's 2021 and most everybody's got streaming service, but back your ass up till about 1999, 2000 when we all still recorded or even earlier hell we recorded tv shows or movies on that came on at midnight one in the morning on hbo and then we would watch them later so there it that is a logical explanation that it could just be a v, an old vcr tape and it was something was recorded late at night and those one of those old ass girls gone wild videos could have been playing or it could <laughs> mean that Summer's living in a situation where there's some, the old uh, Skinamax freeze frame 
um, things going on on the TV. Now, what is important is that there is still this very narrow window that can be confirmed from where we know Summer was and where we know Summer is no longer at. And this is all based on the testimonies from multiple people and having all of their times line up. Now, timelines in this case are blurry at best because everyone, and I do mean everyone except law enforcement, will say at some point during an interview, I think it was around this time. I'm not good with time. I think it might be this time. It could be as late as this time. So you have no damn idea what time it is unless it is time stamped. And a couple of things are time stamped. Thank God. So, now this is a huge problem when you're trying to put this together because, like I said earlier, Summer is last seen when Candace lets her in the house and tells the boys to watch her. And if we all know that if somebody says three to five minutes, you can add 10 to 15 minutes to that. If someone, you know, and that's normally the time thing that we've seen, and then if you listen to any true crime thing, you always add 15, 20 minutes to anybody saying something. So it could be in, it could have been as long as 15 or 20 minutes that Summer was by herself. But you've got to think that it took at least three or four minutes for her to pester her little brothers, hey, I want to play, and they're like, piss off, we're watching TV, and she got mad, and she goes downstairs to play. So... We're still looking at a time frame of no more, I would say, no more than 15 minutes where she heads downstairs and then Candace comes in behind her and realizes she's gone. Now, I don't think it gets as long as 30 minutes or an hour. If it does, if that time frame gets that long, then you're talking about a huge problem of who and what have come on the property what the hell was she really doing? Candace was really doing at her mom's. How you know the boys all come in? So I don't think that's true. So, according to Candace, she disappears between the boys telling her, "No, we're not playing." Her going downstairs and Candace coming back. Now, if she heads out the door of the basement as Candace is coming in the front door upstairs we're talking about a very small area a child five-year-old child could have gotten to and the reason i bring that up is candace says that she yells as soon as she comes out that door in the basement she starts yelling summer 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 and from what i can gather if summer was within earshot she would have heard her mother and that is a big if because you have to consider maybe she's in some type of trouble or she has been picked up, grabbed, and whisked away. And she's so far away now that she can't hear her mom yell. So going back to what we stated earlier, Summer's house is in a very rural spot with her grandmother living like I said, about 20 minutes or 20 minutes, 20 yards to one side of their home. It's, it, 
it looked like a little less than that in the video that I saw. I mean, it was it's like right there. Yeah, well, I was saying twenty yard like maximum. So, yeah, I mean, and if you get on Google Maps, you can type in the address one ten Ben Hill Road, Rogersville, Tennessee, and you can zoom in and see. I mean, it's literally you could throw a rock and hit it. So, I think the only thing. I think the closest house is across the street through the woods, and then that other house is up a hill. Now, I could not find if anyone could have seen Summer outside from across the street at another, say, a neighbor's house. I think the foliage in June is too thick for someone to even be driving by and look up there and see someone come out of that basement door. Definitely. Now, from the video. No, from the videos online, it does not appear that there's anything immediately in the vicinity where someone from a distance could see her alone and then take advantage of that opportunity. She would have had to wander, and according to her mom's statement, wasn't something she did. This is and continues to be a big point of contention in the case because initially law enforcement is going to say and keep saying for quite a while that they believe she wandered off, and they don't believe that there was an an abduction. They go on to state, we have ruled out foul play and we haven't ruled, I'm sorry, we haven't ruled out foul play and we haven't ruled these things out, but we don't believe that she was abducted. So from the very beginning of this whole disappearance, both Don and Candace are saying it is an abduction because you According to them, Summer just doesn't wander off. She stays right there close to the house when she's outside. And they were saying, authorities are saying it would have been hard for someone to be up there and abduct her because it's on a hill surrounded by woods, which is kind of like a double-edged sword, but you would have to know that she was going to be outside. And that someone would have to know where they were going to even know that there's a house up there on that hill. You would have to climb up the hill through the woods and you'd have to be watching the house. You would have to be familiar with the layout of the property. And basically you would have to have patterned not only Summer's movements, but the entire family's movements. And if this was an abduction, I just don't see if we... If we're looking at a five, if we go back to the three to five minutes, I don't see that being enough time for them to see her come out that uh, basement door and sprint up or come up out of hiding to her without her screaming. Now, if we're pushing that 15 to 20 minute window, then I think maybe if you had been stalking the family, you are watching in your pattern, and then you see her come outside, then you've got a chance to kind of wander up there and not frighten her and maybe lead her off. But again, that's all hyp- hypothesis. <laughs> and that takes a lot of ifs and buts, and I think that's why law enforcement kind of backed away from the abduction scenario. Because there's just nobody fucking around up there. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is like if, if you had a good look at the property, you wouldn't think that you wouldn't agree with an abduction uh, scenario either. 
No, and I don't see. I they it doesn't have Google Street View from where I was looking at, but I'm not so sure that from the road, the actual Ben Hill Road, I'm not so sure that you can see the house through the trees in the summertime. So yeah, just to give some people a picture of it, it's the house is in the middle of a circle driveway. So someone would have to circle around to get to the back door and then circle back to escape. Somebody's going to see that. Or hear a vehicle crunching on gravel. Oh, of course. Yeah, not to mention that. But, yeah, someone in that house would have seen a car. You're not sneaking up on this place. No. And that leads people to state and run with, was this an inside job? And by inside job, the abduction scenario would lead you that this was a family friend or a family member. But according to Candace, Summer was more than likely barefoot, which makes one her just wandering off into the woods extremely difficult. Now, if Summer technically lived in the basement, she more than likely would have had some shoes down there. So technically, she could have just slipped her shoes on and walked outside to play. So her being barefoot, I think, is a 50-50 shot at best. All of these factors make the whole wandering off thing not very likely. But statistics do tell us that most of the time when kids are abducted or taken or something happens, that it is a family member or a custody issue or someone that knows the child in the family, someone that would disarm them. They would not be scared of. They would be used to seeing that person's face. Now, Candace does say that Summer's reason for wanting to go inside was that she wanted to play with her brothers. But once she got inside, she would have instantly saw them with their eyeballs glued to the TV. And Newsflash Kids, when a child tells you they want to do one thing, within about 10 seconds, they could want to immediately do the complete opposite. According to the brothers, she walks in and immediately went to the basement to play on her own, so you got a little bit of confusion there. I don't really think that's what happened. I think that's probably what they said. More than likely, um, she, her, Candace always and Don always saying she would never and she always has and she would never wander off and she has always come back and found and it leads a lot of conjecture and a lot of shade from other people being thrown at their parenting skills. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying right now that I think the scenario was Candace probably opened the door and said, Hey, keep an eye on her. She wants to play with y'all door shuts. She's like, all right, let's play. What? Let's say frozen. And they're like, uh, no, we're not playing that. You're a girl. Go on. And she gets pissed off and goes downstairs to play with her Paw Patrol or whatever. And she could have, just walked over there after they said no and didn't argue with them and then saw maybe a toy that she left up there and she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play with that and I'm going to go downstairs and get another toy. And that's what I'm talking about, the mentality of a five-year-old. It's ADHD on steroids. Oh, absolutely. Now, keep in mind, she's the little sister. They're watching TV. Probably, we're watching TV, leave me alone, leave us alone, and... Like I said, we just don't have 
according to Candace and Don and the grandmother, she's never wandered off. They've never found her out in the woods past the clearing where the house and the camper's at. Now, she was obsessed with Paw Patrol and the movie Frozen. But yeah, but I mean, who the heck, who the heck isn't, you know? <laughs> well, what I was going to say was she's a little bit of a tomboy because she's grown up with three older brothers because she, according to them, loved to be outside. She loved to swim. She loved to play in the mud and the dirt. And in some pictures, you can see her fishing. But th- talking about pictures, and this is another hang-up for a lot of people out there, the missing, well, I'll just do it like this. All right, so in some pictures of Summer, you'll see she has a very short haircut, almost a shaved head. The missing poster picture of her has her with chin-length hair or even in some other missing poster pictures, her hair is down to her shoulders. Don and Candace have stated that this was not the case, that she actually had a shaved head and she had a buzz cut because her three brothers had a buzz cut and she wanted to look like them. But just like everything else in this case, we're told another angle, another story. In one interview, Summer's mother, Candace says, Oh, I have short hair. So she wanted to look like me. And then in an interview with Don and Candace together, they said the story about her wanting to look like her older brothers and Don goes as far as saying that they actually caught Summer in the bathroom cutting her own hair with the clippers. And so she had gapped up her hair. So they just had to shave it. And they were just, and it was summertime anyway. And by the time school started in September, it would have grown out and been fine. People are wondering why her parents chose the picture of her with short or with shoulder length hair instead of a more recent picture of this is what she actually looks like. Again, on the surface, it does seem fishy, but I really don't think there's a whole lot of ill intent behind some of these decisions. Also, people can, you know, Monday morning quarterback everything. They're going to find something wrong with everything somebody does in this situation. Oh, well, they weren't sad enough. Or, well, why would they choose this picture? It could have been as simple as, the moment the cops were questioning them, that was the only picture they found. Like there was the one that was closest by. And if someone asked me for a picture of my son, we only have like his school pictures on the mantle or now his graduation pictures, but I have a bunch of pictures on my phone, but I can't print those instantly for yeah. authorities. Did you say graduation picture? Yeah, buddy. You're getting old. Oh my word. Yep. You we are. are old as fuck. Dude, I still remember playing trivia when he was like 10. I still have the picture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the day of Summer's disappearance is where most people's spotty senses start to tingle because there's just a lot of things that just don't make sense. Candace claims that Summer went missing after just a few minutes of not having eyes on her. She then called her husband, Don, who was working in Jonesboro, Tennessee at the time. Now, Jonesboro is about a 40-minute drive from the Ben Hill Road home. 
And Don claims he tells Candace when she calls to hang up and call the police. He then heads home at which point along this route, he also calls the police. Now, the 911 calls have not been released, but the dispatcher communication from that time has been. And you can hear the dispatcher say, quote, Parents have called in for advice, but the mother had went for a walk, came home. Now they can't find her. They've been yelling, end quote. So you got a dispatcher saying that Candace claimed she had gone for a walk, and then when she came home, she couldn't find Summer. You have Don claiming that he made it back to his house before the police arrived on scene, but the dispatcher says that Summer has only been missing for about 10 minutes. So somebody's time frame's off. The police responded right away. So it's hard to understand how Don could have made it to his home from his work that was supposedly 40 to 45 minutes away. Now, one interview with Don was he was driving so fast that he was straightening them curves. But he was not driving fast enough to not be able to text and talk to Candace and message Candace and call 911. So, I don't know. In a later interview, Candace mentions nothing about going for a walk. Instead, she says, quote, I don't go on walks around here or runs because I'm scared of the bears, snakes, and even the coyotes that are around here, end quote. Now, this statement was not in a response to the dispatcher claiming that she had gone for a walk outside because at the time of Candace's statement, the dispatcher's comments had not been released. So no one even knew that the dispatcher had said she's gone for a walk except for the authorities. She was just mentioning it that basically giving more credence to Summer's not going to wander off because not e- I don't even go out here and walk around in the woods because we've got bears and snakes and coyotes. Now, what could have happened is maybe the dispatcher misunderstood or Don gave the dispatcher inaccurate information because both Don and Candace called the police. In Candace's version of events, there was no walk and she's never she never goes on walk because of the wild animals in the area. Don could have easily just said, my wife had walked across to my mother-in-law's and was walking back to the house and realized she was gone. That would lead the dispatcher to assume that she had gone for a walk, not knowing the area. But you would think a local 911 person would know how rural rural that piece of property is. Well, you never know. I mean, that sounds pretty... Sounds plausible. Let's just put it that way. Now, seems like that could have happened. Yes, it does. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of innocent things that are said that are, like you said, everything's being picked apart at the seams. And we've gone over this earlier, and we'll go over it again. Looking at Grandmother's Camper and footage from interviews and TV shows and other things, like we said, you know, it's no, I'd say minimum, or I'm sorry, I'd say maximum 15 yards. But it's, I mean, it's right next door. So it may be, I don't know, 10 yards. But, We're not talking a great distance. The important thing 
to understand is there's some internet sleuthers out there that have made a big deal out of this because if Summer had come out of the house and walked back to grandmother's trailer, or I'm sorry, camper, there's really no path where someone with malicious intentions could have been waiting to grab her. Be real difficult. I mean, honest. Yeah, and like Coach said, this these two dwellings are in the middle of a circle driveway, and so it's not like you're just going to sneak up there in a vehicle. Now, relaying information to law enforcement officers that maybe, oh, mom went on a walk could easily be explained as the dispatcher inferring, like I said earlier, Candace says, I walked from my mother's camper. When in reality, she walked 10 yards. So again, something very innocent that some people are just hanging on to with every letter. Now, another sticking point for investigators and people on the internet webs is concerning Don's commute from Jonesboro and the 40 minutes that it takes him to travel one way. I do believe Don was a drywall guy. And I'm almost positive that his story of being at work was verified by authorities, but not completely. Because they're not releasing any information. There's hardly anything being released from law enforcement. But there is going to be a lot of questions about if Don was at work or at home that day from a lot of people. The reason is that there are allegations made from Candace later in text messages that she sent to a friend allegedly where she says, quote, oh, he was home earlier than we thought or earlier than we said he was, end quote. That adds to the mystery of what the hell's actually going on. And again, we're not throwing accusations. We're not throwing shade at anyone. But you have to go. And understand, this is not one of our normal cases that occurred back when Unsolved Mysteries is on. This is 2021. <laughs> <laughs> when this occurred, it would or should have taken maybe an hour to confirm where the hell Don was at and where the hell Candace was at based on their cell phone coordinates. And they both, I think I read somewhere, they both had iPhones, so... They have the GPS positioning in it. They don't have to triangulate off of cell towers and call the carrier and download the data. I mean, it's within mere, like I said, minutes, like an hour, up to, you know, maximum an hour, two hours, and they'll know exactly where the hell Don was at. And if he was not at work or he had come home earlier, I'm pretty sure they would have uh, jumped on that. So let's just go under the assumption that they know exactly where Don's phone, Don's phone was when he received the call from Candace. And if you are in the camp of this was an inside job, you, I don't see where you can even stand on that position. But let's just assume he wasn't at the job site. Is it a scenario where Don's in the driveway when Summer comes out and Don takes Summer somewhere? The only reason that I bring this up is because this is one of the many theories of what happened to Summer, but like I said, it doesn't hold a whole lot of water. Hypothetically speaking, he could have taken her off somewhere and then returned home shortly after. I don't believe this is true at all because, like I said, 
law enforcement within, by the time darkness fell, knew whether or not Don was where he was supposed to be. And they would have had the cell phone data to prove it. And they could have charged him with a minimum of obstruction of justice or something along those lines to get his ass in custody and in an, an interrogation room. And none of that happened. So I don't believe he was involved. I really do believe he was at work. Now, the other thing that people hang up on is there are or was or were, however you want to look at it, three vehicles on the property when Summer went missing. Grandma's got a truck, Don's got a work truck, and Candace has a car. Candace's car was a newer Subaru, and it had the GPS tracking, whatever Subaru's version of OnStar is. So here's where people just lose their damn minds. So Don decides that day to take Candace's new Subaru to work instead of his work truck. When he is asked why he took a brand new Subaru instead of his work truck with all of his equipment in it, he says, quote, well, you know, I'm paying $600 a month for it, and it's just sitting there not getting used. So I thought I would use it, end quote. I mean, the man makes a great point. He elaborates and says that when he got to work, some of the guys on the job site that he was working with made fun of him because he pulled up in the mom wagon, quote, why are you in the Subaru? You know we're doing mudding and stuff today, and drywall's going to be everywhere. Like, why are you bringing this new vehicle to the job? End quote. He just kind of brushes it off. But then, later, when he's interviewed by a YouTuber, in this interview by this YouTuber, you can tell that old Don is under the influence of something. And he makes a statement along the lines of, quote, I have about seven alibis, including the GPS Candace has in that Subaru. Now, people have run with this and speculated that Don and Candace like to troll people. But you have to understand that their five-year-old daughter is missing and no one knows where she is. I just don't see them trolling YouTubers. No. And it doesn't make... I mean, why? What's the point? Right. It doesn't make sense because they're grieving parents who are worried about where the hell their five-year-old daughter is. So either Don is self-medicating to deal with the grief, the worry, and the anxiety, or him and Candace are just very messed up people who like spending their time getting high, drunk, or whatever when their daughter's actually missing, going on different YouTube channels and making shit up and trolling each other and trolling them, which I just don't see happening. No, I mean, come on. I think the main thing here is that there are some people who think Don purposely took that vehicle that day, even though it makes no sense to take that vehicle because it's not his work truck. You are definitely going to get it dirty, especially if you are slinging drywall mud or sanding drywall that day. And people believe That's true. And people believe that he purposely took the Subaru knowing it had a GPS system in it. This would have given him a rock-solid alibi. And that makes sense. However, we will get to why I don't believe none of this shit's true. But hypothetically speaking, because we don't have any evidence from law enforcement, let's say that the time was around 6.30, 6.45, when the call was made to law enforcement. This means that when the call is made, 
like I said earlier, GPR, yeah, GPS on the phone is probably within law enforcement's hands so they know exactly who is calling, who the cell phone number is registered to, who the provider is, and just for shits and giggles, what tower it pinged off of. Now, it's if he's at the job site when he initially calls, that would have been easy because he wouldn't have been pinging off the same tower as he would have been if he was at home. So that's another failsafe to where I'm kind of like, no, Don's not got anything to do with this because that's a double check on is he where he's supposed to be. So if that call is made at 630 or 640, according to him, he was at work when he received the call from Candace. So if he's in the general vicinity of his home at the time he gets the call from Candace, then the cell phone's going to ping off the local t- the tower closest to their home, and they would have the GPS. Again, law enforcement would have just wrapped his little ass up for obstruction and got him into an interrogation room. Now, the police do come out and say, or I'm sorry, they could have come out and say, we have confirmed that Don was at work, and we did confirm that he made the call when he was in, Jer- in Jonesboro. So everyone needs to chill the fuck out with these rumors that Don is involved in Summer's disappearance. But that's not happened. So people are all about all the little things that are adding up, pointing to the general area that maybe Don and Candace have some involvement in Summer's disappearance. Law enforcement did initially say that Don and Candace were cooperating. But a year later they come out and say that the parents are no longer cooperating. So investigators have basically stopped short of saying anyone in the family is a suspect or a person of interest. They've only said, quote, we're exploring all avenues, end quote. So let's go back to when law enforcement arrive at the scene of the house the day that Summer goes missing. They immediately begin to look for her with the initial land search, including 60 to 80 people. The Tennessee Highway Patrol's aviation unit and Ballad Health's Heart Air Service provided aerial support. Now, the search went on through the night, and they even used FLIR in the aerial searches. And for those of you that have not ever looked into Bigfoot before, FLIR stands for Forward Looking Infrared Radar. They pick up heat signatures. Now, despite all of these resources being deployed within the first 24 hours of summer going missing, there is no sign of her, not anything, which led many to wonder how she had gotten so far away on foot. If summer had only been gone for about 10 minutes by the time Candace called 911 and the police were dispatched out to the property and the search begins within 30 minutes, it's just hard to fathom she could have gotten that far that quick. Now, Remember, Don and Candace were adamant that Summer would not have wandered off. Okay, that's out of character. She would never wander off. She had never gone off the property before, and they had warned her about the many dangers in the woods and the hills that surrounded the property. So from the very first few days of her disappearance, both Don and Candace insisted that Summer had not gotten lost. She had been taken. 
By Wednesday of the search, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, or the TBI, had issued a statewide Amber Alert, and there's a hundred over 106 agencies from across the state of Tennessee, Ohio, Virginia, Alabama, Georgia, and North Carolina, who all deployed resources to come assist with the search. Now, the group called Church Hill Rescue, their squad captain, Tim Coop, was overseeing the search and rescue operation, and he told searchers and residents of the area to keep in mind that they were looking for a small child who could be hiding in in a very small place, saying, quote, I've been telling these searchers for the past several days, when you're looking through this property, you're not looking for an adult lying there. You are looking for a five-year-old girl that weighed approximately 40 pounds. Someone that size could wad themselves up and hide in an area the size of a legal pad or a folded up laptop, end quote. He told people to check their outbuildings, their barns, their sheds, and their hayfields. By the following week, the search had covered 4.6 square miles and more than 3,000 acres. Many of those areas had been searched more than once. Now, initially, law enforcement said it was too early to determine if foul play was involved, but everything was on the table, and a TBI spokesperson, Leslie Earhart, announced that it that if investigators did develop information that Summer had been abducted and they were in possession of a suspect and or a vehicle description, that information would be released immediately to the public. Now, as the days and the weeks pass, it becomes clearer and clearer that Summer's just not in the area. Now, Leslie Earhart comes back out and says, or is asked, do you believe Summer Wells is still alive? She states, quote, we hope so, but honestly, we just don't know. I mean, we're holding out hope, doing everything we can. Obviously, we typically would have found a child at this stage in the investigation, so honestly, we just do not know, end quote. Well, I mean, at this date, you know, two and a half years, two two years and several months later, if she just wandered off into the woods, not too, you know, her prospects aren't looking too good. No. Not at all. So, all right. do you hope, if you're a parent, do you hope at this point for an abduction? I don't, I mean, I don't know. Do you? I mean, knowing how nasty the world is. Either way, you're you're going to be heartbroken. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's I, I I don't even want to put myself in that position. But all right, so here's where we're headed now. We're going to go over the day before and the day of. Well, not really the day of, but the day before she was she disappeared. Now. All of the information has been compiled from interviews that Don and Candace and Grandmama have given along with a 15-year-old boy named Hunter and his mother, Allison Harris. Now, we mentioned this before, but keep in mind, most everyone interviewed in connection to this case repeatedly says they don't know exactly what time things happen throughout the day. They're only able to give an approximate time. Don claimed that he left for work early that morning around 7 a.m., and the last time he saw Summer, she was sleeping next to him in the bed. Candace claimed that she woke Summer up early on that morning because they needed to drive Grandma to the Holston Valley Medical Center in Kingsport, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes away. So I lied at the beginning. It's not 45 minutes away. It's 30 minutes away to get to a hospital. Now, Don states... 
quote, when I woke up because she was sleeping in between me and her mother, I was kind of laying on her little, her little foot a little bit. And I was like, Oh God, my back's going to hurt today. End quote. Now, a lot of people have pointed on how Don and Candace answer questions in these numerous interviews they've given. And their interview on the Dr. Phil show has been analyzed over and over and over. It, and this is where I was trying to get earlier, and please bear with me. I'm not trying to degrade anybody or anything like that. It just does not appear that Don and Candace are highly educated past high school. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just pointing out that they are not very savvy when it comes to answering some pressing, poignant questions. It seems to me that they get a little intimidated by rapid-fire questions, intimate questions, and also keep in mind we're talking about rural Tennessee. As our listeners have pointed out, us Southerners talk a little slower than a lot of people doing the interviews. So <laughs> I, I truly do believe that Don and Candace both are trying their hardest to answer questions, but they've never been around people who ask such direct questions at such a quick pace. And it's, I mean, it's a hard situation. You're being, essentially you're being interrogated for your daughter's disappearance. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be just high strung. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to be an easy thing. Right. And, and I guess the other thing is like, we're both pretty quick witted because we've dealt with high school kids and all types of kids because I mean, that's just our job. But if you put someone that hangs drywall around a bunch of smart ass kids or around somebody that is real nosy in education, they're not going to be able to answer as quickly as me and you would have, or even go as far as someone in the corporate world that is used to giving presentations and stuff at work or having to call cold call clients. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So I don't think, like I said, I'm not making fun of their educational background. I just don't think they've been exposed yeah. to that kind of thing. Well, and again, it's it's an interrogation. It's like uh, when I, we get to recommendations, the thing I'm going to recommend, I was watching earlier, and the police are talking to the guy, and they're like, why do you seem so nervous? We're just asking you questions. I'm like, you're fucking interviewing me about a murder. <laughs> like, what do you mean, why am I nervous? You know damn well why I'm nervous, Yeah. Like, have you like, ever well, watched yeah, the West Memphis Three? Now you know why I'm nervous. It's like, yeah, uh, if you um, if you have nothing to hide, there shouldn't be a problem. I get nervous. Talk. I got nervous talking to code enforcement, and the most code enforcement could have done was wrote me a ticket, and I was shaking like a leaf. Yes, because I don't deal well talking to authorities. Right. Because we all know they can spin it. Damn government. Sure. <laughs> all right. So within days of Summer's disappearance, the spotlight, of course, quickly goes on to Don and Candace. Like, you know, they start with the family and then they work their way out. I truly do believe, like I've said, the many interviews with everyone from Dr. Phil to these obscure YouTubers just trying to get questions to them. I think Don and Candace truly did all of these interviews at the beginning because they wanted to show in their eyes, quote, we don't have anything to hide. And this kind of backfired on them because 
they kind of told some different versions of the same story. And your average Joe with some of those stories is, is like, what the hell is going on here? We've heard several different versions of this. So, and the way that I related it was if anyone's watched the first Missing 411 film, remember how that centered around the Dior Koontz case. And that mother and that father gave a lot of conflicting reports at the beginning. And then the whole thing about the video that shows the producer trying to get the, the mom to come in later in the movie. She's not wanting to come in. She's made some contradictory statements. This kind of mirrors this a little bit. What we do know is that Don leaves for work that morning and Candace takes her mom to the doctor because grandma was having some knee pain. According to Can Candace, the way that grandma got this knee pain, and it's not funny, but I can just see kids doing this, is because grandma and Candace take the whole kit and caboodle to a gym mine the week before, and the boys think it would be funny to kick the shit out of grandmother in the knee while they're in the gym mine. Now... Candace thought they had to be at the medical center by 8 a.m., which means they would have had to leave their house at 7.30 at the latest to get to the appointment on time. So Candace has to wake Summer up early that morning because, according to Candace, if she let her sleep, Summer would sleep until noon. So you got Candace, Summer, and Grandma all get into Grandma's truck because, remember, Don has taken the Subaru to work and his work truck's at home. And so they drive Grandma's truck to the Holston Valley Medical Center. Grandma goes in for knee pain, and Candace and Summer stay in the truck. Now, according to this kid, Hunter, this 15-year-old boy, um, he winds up that day being with everyone that we've mentioned, minus Don, for several hours. Now, it's while Grandma's in the medical center that Candace texts this 15-year-old boy, Hunter. She tells him that they are near his house waiting for Grandma to get out of her medical appointment. So according to Hunter, Candace texted him and said her mom's in the hospital. So Hunter calls Candace, calls her, not texts her, calls her and says, hey, quote, y'all want to come over here for a bit because she's probably going to be in the hospital for a while because she's messed up her knee or whatever, end quote. Now, this is a little odd for people that didn't grow up in the South. But Hunter knows Candace through his mother, Allison Harris. Allison and Candace are, or were, friends. And this whole relationship with Hunter and Allison and Candace is odd. Very, very odd. So Hunter says in an interview that he was told by Candace that Summer's brothers had gone to work with Don that day. But according to Candace and Don, this is not true. The boys had been left at home that morning while Summer, Candace, and Grandma went to the hospital. Candace says that Hunter did indeed offer for her and Summer to come over while her mom, Grandma, was in the hospital. But Candace said she would as long as Hunter's mother, Allison, was okay with it. Allison states that she believes that Candace and Summer arrived at her house sometime between 10 and 10.30 that morning. Hunter would state that he thought it was closer to 11, but like I said, nobody knows how to tell fucking time in this story, so you're within an hour of anything. Hunter goes on to state that Candace said that she was going to take summer fishing and asked if he could come along with them. 
Candace said that would be fine as long as it was okay with his mother. Allison says, yes, it's fine as long as he wasn't going to be gone too long because his own grandmother was coming for a visit that day. Now, a lot has been made about this relationship between Summer's family and Hunter's family. And according to Hunter and Allison, they were very close and they both treated each other like they were family. Hunter said he viewed Summer as a little sister and she loved him because her own brothers weren't always nice to her. And Hunter paid her a lot of attention. He would give her piggyback rides and he wanted to show Summer how a real big brother would treat her. Now, the two families were thicker than thieves until something happened that caused a rift between Candace and Allison. Now, according to Hunter, he had not seen Summer or Candace for a while until this July or June 15th date when he invites them over to his house. Allison claimed that she and Candace had been friends for roughly a year and a half. She actually said they were like sisters, and her first impression was that Candace was a good person who just was looking for a friendship, so they became very close. Now, Allison's mother says that she actually met Candace and Summer and the boys at a local community area, and she says she was kind of one of, or she was the one who introduced Summer and Candace and her family to Allison and her family. Now, in an interview, Allison's mom says she felt from the beginning that Candace was, quote, kind of dirty, unwashed, and she let her kids run all over the damn place. Who said that? Allison's mother. This would be Hunter's oh, wow. grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Allison starts talking about how she would always buy food for Candace and for her family and that she had given Candace some money. Allison also says that she believes Candace wanted to buy drugs because Candace had told her at one point that she was a recovering meth addict who also drank a lot of alcohol and smoked a lot of weed. I mean, just out of the blue, Allison and her mama just blast Candace during this interview. And according to Allison, eventually she realizes that Candace was just using her and this caused the rift between the two of them. Then there is an interview with a woman named Leslie who worked with Allison. And according to Leslie, now y'all have to keep in mind, I'm going to read this as the way it was spoken. So buckle up, buttercup. So Leslie says, quote, I met Candace on her birthday, referring to Allison's birthday. See, me and her, her and Allison, worked together, okay? So I bought, came over for her birthday party, and they had a swimming pool out back. Now, I'm going to pause right here. When most people think they have a swimming pool out back, you're thinking above the ground pool, maybe an in the ground pool. No, we're talking about a $25 plastic swimming pool that you get like a baby. So keep that in mind. So a little swimming pool and her kids and Candace's kids were all playing in the pool and some of the kids got out and they was eating a snack while we was cooking hamburgers and stuff. Two of her boys was in the pool and they were horse playing. And this really was what she done really got to me. Okay. I mean, they're kids. They're going to play in the pool, right? They're going to get rough. You know, they're boys, right? And because they get rough horse playing in the pool, she made them get out. And now behind the house, there's a driveway and she made them two boys get out of that pool wet and lay down stomach down on that blacktop. And it was hot. That really left an impression with me. 
it left an impression so bad. I looked at her and Allison's mom and said, I do not like this straight up. And I told Allison, I said, this swimming pool's going down. I said, these kids don't deserve that. I walked out, picked that swimming pool up, and dumped the water out, turned around, walked back in the house. I did not want to be around her for the rest of the evening. I didn't because if I would have been, honestly, I would have went to jail, end quote. <laughs> well, dang. So the, Leslie don't care much for Candace. I don't know if you picked up on that. So on May 27th of 2020, so about a year before Summer goes missing, a then 14-year-old Hunter posted on Facebook that he was in a relationship, and Candace responds, quote, with who? Your hand? End quote. And Hunter wrote back saying, quote, yep, Rosie Palm and her five sisters, end quote. Candace responds to that saying, and her brothers, to which Hunter says, you too, and Candace replied back, no, bro, I don't do my homies like that. I don't know. But anyway, this is a whole deal because, keep in mind, this is a 14-year-old kid and a 30-plus-year-old woman talking about a 14-year-old relationship. Now, again, keep in mind that Candace texts this now 15-year-old boy when she takes her mom to the doctor. And she goes as far as when he invites her over to saying, well, as long as it's okay with your mother. Again, is this just a mental immaturity or is there something rotten in Denmark? Just watching the small number of interviews that I've seen, it may be something where Candace relates better to people who are younger than her than to people of her own age or a little bit older. And I know people like this. They are the ones that are kind of like, I'm never growing old. I'm not going to grow up. I'm going to hang out with these young kids. They keep me young. But it gets a little cringier because on the same day as this Facebook conversation we just discussed, Hunter changes his relationship status to saying he was in a relationship and he also changes his cover photo to a picture of him with none other than Candace Bly. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's not a good look. No. No, no. So there's a big discrepancy about what Summer was wearing that day. And when she was actually wearing it, to which adds even more fuckery to this whole story. Now, Candace tells Chris McDonough that she had dressed Summer in her bathing suit before they had left the house that day, saying, quote, I actually put her bathing suit on before we left home because it was really hot out that day. It was just something small and thin, not too hot, or not so hot, because I know she gets too hot, end quote. Now, Hunter claims that Summer changed into her bathing suit at his house, and she had put on a pair of shorts and a pink or purple tank top over the bathing suit. So you got Candace, Summer, and Hunter. They all get into Grandma's truck to go fishing. But before they even leave the driveway, Grandma calls and says, Hey, my appointment's over. I need you to come pick my ass up. So at this point, Hunter claims that Candace was in the driver's seat. He was in the passenger seat. Summer was sitting in the back seat behind the driver's seat. And according to Hunter, they left and went to the hospital to pick up Grandma. And from there, they went to Walgreens to drop off a prescription for pain medicine that Grandma had got from the hospital. 
Now, Hunter said the line at the drive-through window at the pharmacy was long, and when they dropped the prescription off, they were told it was going to take about 30 minutes to 35 minutes to fill. While they were sitting in the line at the drive-through, Hunter claims that Summer's father, Don, calls Candace, and he told her that there was a man on the property who had been there for about a week or so watching and stalking kids. Now, that call is confirmed by Don when he's on the Dr. Phil show. He does state, yes, I called Candace from work because he was thinking about leaving early, but when he found out that she was not home and they were actually out running errands for Grandma, he decided to just stay and work his whole shift. What Don allegedly said during the call was about a guy named Andy or Andrew or Anthony, according to Hunter. Now, that's what Hunter says. He says it was a name he thinks was either Andy or Andrew or Anthony, but this whoever this guy is had been hanging around like a pervy perverson peeping Tom out there in the woods, eyeballing them children. Now, Don and Candace basically say they have no idea where the hell they even have gotten this, or Hunter got this information from. They claim it's nonsense that Don never mentioned it, and Candace said that Don just called to see how they were and that he would be home soon, like we mentioned. So if there's a suspicious guy hanging around the area and then your daughter goes mention, or missing, I'm pretty sure you're going to mention that to law enforcement, and it's not going to come from some 15-year-old kid that has a less-than-favorable relationship with your wife. Yeah, no doubt. So, like I said, if your daughter goes missing and the day before you call your wife and according to this 15-year-old kid, you tell your wife that there's a Perry Ferguson out there and then your daughter goes missing 24 hours later, I'm sure that's something that would have been brought up by you and your wife. That, hey, there's this guy named Andy, Andrew, and something. But anyway, none of that happens. So you got to take this story that Hunter's telling with a grain of salt because there's been no way to corroborate this. Now, it is with my great pleasure and Coach's disdain that we actually pause right here because we have the whole rest of the day, according to Hunter, and then we get into what Candace says actually happened. And then we will get into the theories next week in part two. Because like I told Coach from off the air, I can't wait to the theories because one of them involves something called the Cornbread Mafia. (laughs) I mean, you got to set aside some time for that. If they're not followed by the Buttermilk Gang, I don't even know if it's worth talking about. Uh, all right, okay. all right, Coach. Recommendation time. I'm going to recommend something that was recommended to us on our uh, Facebook page, asking if we knew about it. So I started watching it. It's Who Killed Robert Wone? 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 W O N E. That's the one where uh, he gets a little nervous in front of the cops. Yeah, he gets a little nervous in front of the cops. So, yeah, check that out. I'm, on, I'm like halfway through part one. There's only two parts if you have Peacock. Look it up. 
I do not have the Peacock. Um, and I know that you have recommended this before, but um, I'm actually going to steal one of yours and recommend the Sean Ryan Show YouTube interview with the three whistleblowers from the Stephen Greer. I think I've recommended the actual press conference before, but Sean Ryan does a video podcast. It's on YouTube, and it's also available on Spotify. And it's called The Whistleblower Episode. He interviews three guys, one of which tells a bunch of shit about Antarctica that if it's even remotely true, backs up some of the wild conspiracy theories floating around about the Maui fires. So if you want to put on your tinfoil hat, boys and girls, check that episode out. Well, Coach, is there anything else you have for the lovely ladies and gentlemen out there? Hmm. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. Deuces.